good. He's super cala fragilistic expialidocious. Sunday school, Sunday school, Sunday school. And I have to ruin my Sunday school. I have two Sunday school girls now. My kid bought me a bell when he went on his vacation. And I know you hear me open it up, the bag, but I must ruin this Sunday school bell. It's Sunday school time. It's Sunday school time. This is Greater Gospel Temple, the Church of Praise and Worship and Inspiration of God Ministries right here in Dallas, Texas. It's because of God's mercies that I'm not consumed. You're not consumed. His compassions don't fail. They're renewed every morning. And great is the faithfulness of God. Now it's my prayer time my personal prayer to God as I sit or stand before you and speak dear God I pray that my soul you will keep and if I should die before I finish I pray that any outstanding sins will be forgiven Amen in Jesus name Amen. And that is the prayer that the Lord gave me to pray. Every time I get up or sit to speak in his name. Our Sunday school lesson is God's solution to our problems. God's solution to our problems, our troubles, his solutions. And we're going on, this is for December the 20th in the year 2020. So this is 12, 20, 2020. Won't ever come back again. It won't ever come back again. Let's enjoy life. Let's enjoy life. I'm going to go ahead and get into the scripture. We're the 14th chapter of St. John in the first through the seventh verses. First through the seventh verses. I'm going to get the scripture here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. And the third verse is, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
Now the fourth verse. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. That is quite a lot in those seven verses. Jesus is telling him, Thomas, we don't know the way. Jesus said, if you knew me, you'd know the way. Now we'll get into the commentary. We're in the L.G. Parkhurst Jr. commentary. That's www.ousu.com. www.ousu.com. And we will get on into that. Okay, go into her lesson here. God's solution to our troubles. God's solution to our troubles. As we have seen, Jesus felt and experienced trouble, and with trouble come various temptations. For example, the temptation is not to not trust God or to stop believing in God and Jesus in times of trouble. Because Jesus is fully human, Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are, but Jesus never sinned. Jesus always trusted in God the Father and his Father never failed him. Now in Job, the fifth chapter, the sixth through the eighth verses, Eliphaz gave his opinion about trouble and what he would do if troubled. For misery does not come from the earth, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. But human beings are born to trouble, just as sparks fly upward. As for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause. As human beings living in this world, in this world we will have troubles. And Eliphaz told Job that he would seek God and commit his cause to God. Jesus told his followers what to do when their hearts were troubled. This is what he said, Believe in God, believe also in me. Now because Jesus had found his followers, was with his followers, and had revealed the Father and himself to his followers, they did not need to seek God, quote, end quote, but they did need to keep believing in God and believing in Jesus. Very soon, they would experience trouble when Jesus died and was no longer with them. And as Jesus foretold them in John 13th chapter, the 33rd verse, Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, 
And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. After Jesus died on the cross, they would particularly need to keep believing in God and believing in Jesus. Then, when they could not find Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. When we feel troubled, we need to commit our cause to God the Father and Jesus Christ. Jesus did exactly what he taught when he was dying on the cross and quoted Psalm 31 verse 5. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Ye have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. We can see Luke, the 23rd chapter, and the 46th verse for that. God the Father was faithful to Jesus, and he rose from the dead. Jesus, uh, just as Jesus quoted Psalm 31, verse 5, Many psalms remind us to trust in God in times of trouble. Consider these few examples and you will discover many more when you read the psalms during your devotional times. Psalm 9 verse 9 The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Then Psalm 34 verse 6 This poor soul cried, and was heard by the Lord, and was saved from every trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 50, verse 15, Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Psalm 107, Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those who he redeemed from trouble. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Now, Jesus is fully God, and throughout Jesus' ministry, he showed and told many reasons to us to also believe in him and call on him in times of trouble. In John the 8th chapter and the 12th verse, Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then in Psalms, the 27th chapter, in the first verse, the psalmist said, the psalmist said, The Lord is my light. Now God the Father and God the Son are the light that Jesus told us to believe in. And Jesus is the light at the end of the tunnel when our hearts are troubled. In John the fourth chapter and the 22nd verse, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus is our salvation, so we can worship the Father and the Son with all the words of Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my 
light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Prior to Jesus' arrest, he knew his disciples would flee in fear when he allowed himself to be taken away for trial and crucifixion, so he shared these truths for them and for all who would follow him later. Whenever his followers faced troubles or crisis, Jesus wanted them to not let their hearts be troubled, whether he was personally with them or hanging from a cross. Jesus gave them good reasons not to be troubled. Jesus' followers are the children of God. God is their heavenly Father. Even if Jesus were hanging on a cross, as he soon would be, his followers were to keep trusting in their heavenly Father and in him. He wanted his followers to keep believing in him, for he would soon be raised from the dead and be with them again. No matter what the fearful or troubling situation, Jesus' followers need to keep believing in God and believing in Jesus. Then their hearts will not remain troubled. Jesus rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of God. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus personally dwells in the hearts of all his followers. He and their Heavenly Father will take care of them. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe in Jesus. And there's an exclamation point behind that. Now, when the Jews of Jesus' day thought of God's house, they thought of the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus called the temple his father's house in John the second chapter and the 16th verse saying, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. But Jesus knew that in about 40 years, that's four zero, okay, years, the Romans would destroy their temple and Jerusalem. As followers of Jesus, we can think of the Father's house in heaven when we read some of the Psalms. For example, Psalms 26 verse 8. Oh Lord, I love the house in which you dwell and the place where your glory abides. And in Psalms, the 27th chapter and the fourth verse, one thing I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now we can ask ourselves if we really feel and think about the Father's house as did the psalmist. Now, when Jesus said he was going to the Father, he was going to the Father in the Father's house, which we also know as heaven. 
Most of Jesus' disciples died a martyr's death, and these words would comfort them. If we, his followers, die physically, that is, when our bodies die and we become separated from our bodies, we have a specific place to go, a dwelling place, a place to stay and live with God and Jesus in the Father's house. Jesus taught that the end of life in the world does not mean the end of life. Jesus went to heaven to personally prepare a special place for all his followers, a far better place to live than living in this world. Jesus loves us and knows us intimately. And Jesus knows what will make us happy. Thank you, God. Jesus will create a special place for us in the Father's house that will give us happiness far beyond what we can understand now. Being with the Father and the Son throughout eternity will make us the happiest. And I want to get that in my mind and keep it in my mind that I will be happier than happy. Oh, it's going to be a great, 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 great time. Oh, yes, great time. Jesus was going to rise from the dead and ascend back into heaven from where he lived with the Father before he came into the world. After Jesus has prepared a place for all those who believe in him, he will return and take them to heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. When we separate from our bodies that die physically, Jesus comes to us, if we believe in him, to take us to be with him. Jesus' words encouraged his disciples when they faced physical death, and for almost 2,000 years, they have encouraged all who have followed him. Physical death is not the end of life, but the beginning of a glorious, eternal future with the Father and the Son and all who love God and one another. That is, oh, I'm looking for that day. I'm not trying to hurry and die a physical death, but I want to, if I do die a physical death, if I do still be alive in this mortal body when he comes back and he suspends himself in the sky and it's time for judgment day I want this mortal body to put on immortality and meet him in the air and I want him to be pleased with my life how about you How about you? My goodness. Ooh, my, my, my. The disciples knew the way, but they did not know that they knew the way was Jesus. Now that's something right there. They knew the way, 
but they did not know that they knew the way was Jesus. And that's happening right now in this world. Right now. Right now. Now some might think of the way as a road to travel, a way of living, a religious organization, or a rule or set of rules to follow. Jesus did not mean any of these things, but they did not understand. The place Jesus was going to was heaven to be with his Father in a different way than when he ministered to people and served his Father on earth. His different way was dying on a cross, rising again, and ascending into heaven. Again, we can look at the Psalms for guidance. For example, in Psalms 25 verse 4, David wrote, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Jesus was going to teach his disciples that going to the Father was not by knowing some ways or paths to follow or some commandments to obey. Rather, going to the Father would be to follow him, and if a believer follows Jesus, he will do as Jesus did and even greater works than Jesus did. And we can see that in John the 14th chapter and the 12th verse. So as the Son of God, Jesus is greater than the ways, paths, and commandments of God that he expects us to obey even as he obeyed. Consider Psalm 25 verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. Jesus identified himself as the Lord, as the I Am. Jesus instructs sinners in the way when he says believers are to follow him who is the way. Believers keep their spiritual eyes on Jesus, keep close to Jesus, and follow Jesus to always be with Jesus on earth and in heaven. That is something. And I will say that again. Jesus instructs sinners in the way when he says believers are to follow him who is the way. Believers keep their spiritual eyes on Jesus, keep close to Jesus, and follow Jesus to always be with Jesus on earth and in heaven. Oh my God. Now Thomas was a disciple who mournfully declared that if the disciples went back to Bethany, even though they went to help Martha and Mary, whose brother Lazarus had died, that they would die with Jesus. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. And that's John the 11th chapter and the 16th verse. After Jesus was crucified, 
Thomas also doubted Jesus' resurrection until he saw Jesus raised from the dead. That means after he saw him, after he had come out of the tomb, after he had come back to life, Thomas got to see him. And this is what, uh, in John, the 20th chapter, the 27th verse, Jesus told Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. So, along with the other disciples at dinner with Jesus, Thomas certainly did not know or understand that Jesus' planned, or he had planned to die, rise again, and ascend to heaven, nor did the disciples know the way or road to take to follow Jesus. In the next verse, Jesus revealed an astounding truth to them that gave good reasons for people to believe in God and believe in Jesus. And you can see John 14, 14th chapter and the first verse. Jesus told them that he was not speaking of a road to travel, a way to live, or a new religion. Rather, Jesus himself was and still is the way to God the Father. By Jesus clinging to us and by our clinging to Jesus in faith as Jesus enables us, he becomes the way to eternal life with God in heaven. Just as getting in a spacecraft is the only way to go to the moon, the only way to God the Father, the only way to know the truth, and that's the true facts, okay, about God and reality, the only way to have both the physical and spiritual life God wants us to enjoy forever is in a trusting relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the only way, okay? There's no other way we can get to God or heaven except through Jesus Christ. My goodness. More than this, only way for a believer to come to the Father is to have Jesus Christ living with him and within him or them and or them. Okay, the Apostle Paul summarized this in Colossians, the first chapter and the 27th verse. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. People need to believe what Jesus said about himself in the Bible and what the Bible says about Jesus. The first step in learning more truth about Jesus is believing the Bible is true. That's the first step. Now in Psalm 25 verse 5, we read the prayer 
Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Jesus claimed to be the way, and he also claimed to be the truth that people should believe in and follow. Believers in Jesus can pray through this verse during their devotions. Lead me, Jesus, because you are the truth. Teach me more about you because you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you to take all who believe in you to be with you and our Father in heaven. Now in John, the first chapter, the fourth verse, John introduced Jesus to his readers, writing, In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The way to the Father is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who guides and empowers believers in him. Jesus is our life now and forever and we depend absolutely in him for life. I mean absolutely as they have this this number I said 100 that means it's not incomplete we must absolutely believe in Jesus for life. And Jesus reminded his disciples that God the Father and God the Son were so perfectly united in heart and in mind, in purpose and in truth, that to know the Father was to know the Son and to know the Son was to know the Father. Jesus wanted them to know that from their past relationship with Him and from that time forward, they had seen and would see the purposes, the divine nature, and the loving character of the Father perfectly revealed in all Jesus had said and did and would say and do in the future. That is, oh, this is a wonderful lesson. This is a wonderful lesson. Oh, those who have been listening, and if you didn't know, if you didn't know anything about being saved and repenting, being forgiven uh, of your sins and accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this should have clinched it. But if it didn't, we can keep on working, okay? But just don't give up. Don't give up. Now, questions... We always have five numbers, and many times there are um, more than one question per number, or there is more than one question per number. Okay, number one, what are some concerns or events that trouble some people today? Number two, how can believing in God the Father and Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior help people not to be troubled about the concerns and events they listed in answer to question one. Jesus said, this is number three, He was the way, the truth, and the life. 
How does knowing this help you in your daily life? Number four, how do Jesus' words help you when you are facing death? The death of a friend, loved one, or yourself. Number five, how can you see and know the Father? God is good. God is good, and I thank Him. Thank you for being attentive. Thank you for supporting me in these Sunday school lessons and the Sunday morning broadcasts. I thank you so much. God is pleased with you and your faithfulness. And we will do our prayer of repentance if you know someone or if you yourself have not repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This is for you. I invite you to pray the prayer of repentance and accept Jesus Christ. Accept Him as your personal Savior. And if you are one who was once saved and now you're sinning again, which means you're a backslider, this is for you. And then after the prayer, all you have to do is depend on God. You ask Him to lead you to or lead someone to you to get you to a place of worship that has a sanctified leader and an atmosphere where you can grow in the Lord and learn to live a sanctified and a holy life and be encouraged and be held up by the saints of God. They can help you build your courage and your strength up in the Lord, okay? Now, just say, Dear God, I repent of my sins. I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. If you did that, you're, you're saved now. You're saved now. If you're sincere about it, you're saved. If you were not sincere, you have these, few, these seconds to get sincere. And the thing that I say is that we don't know from one millisecond to the next what's going to happen. It takes less than a second to transition into eternity. And so that eternity, I'm sure, I'm sure you want it to be eternal life, not eternal damnation. I'm sure that's what you want. Some people deny it, but I, if you really know the truth, I'm sure that you want eternal life. I love you. You can reach me at 469-629-9543 and or email ggtchurch66 at yahoo.com. And I'd like to say to you that uh, Greater Gospel Temple is rebuilding and the contractor, the builder, 
has told me that we will start in February and Greater Gospel Temple is accepting donations and if you would like to donate to Greater Gospel Temple just contact me and I will let you know where to channel your money to. I love you and may the blessings of the Lord. This is my prayer for you. Continue to overtake you in the name of Jesus. Enjoy your day, night, evening, whichever it is. You're God's child and always know that. Always know that. You are a child of God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's a wonderful, wonderful day in the world and I am so thankful to God for sparing me, sparing you, sparing us to live, to see another day, giving us our reasonable portion of health and strength. And I thank Him for it. That means mentally, emotionally, physically, in whatever way, health is described. He has given that to us on this day. It's Sunday school time. I'm doing the Sunday school lesson early. I missed this past Sunday, uh, the 31st of January, but I am doing the 7th of February Sunday school lesson today. God is good. He's merciful. He's super califragilistic, expialidocious. Our Sunday school lesson is entitled How How Our Advocate Works. How Our Advocate Works. And it is St. John, the 14th chapter, the 1st through the 11th verses. St. John, let me make sure I have that right. I know the 1st through the 11th verses is right. I believe it is the 14th chapter. I do believe. Let me go back and get the. But we'll get into it. And let me go back and get our scripture. I had all of that in here. And for some reason it didn't stay in there like it should have. But we're going on in the name of the Lord. Going on and on. And on and on and on. It's John the 16th chapter, the first to the 11th verse. The 16th chapter of John, the first through the 11th verses. These things have I spoken unto you that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. 
And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, but because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, Whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged my goodness that's John, the 16th chapter, the first through the 11th verses. How the Advocate works. Who is the Advocate? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is our Advocate. And I'm going back to our lesson. Don't tell me that something is going on here with the lesson. Brought to the forefront, so let me go back and get it. So hold on with me just a little while longer. Hold on just a little while longer. Hold on just a little while longer. Everything will be alright. Yes, it will. These things happen, we have challenges because this is technology, but it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all because I know how it works. And we are talking about how the advocate works. How the advocate works. And we'll just go right into that for February 7th and watch the King James Version of the commentary. King James Version. There's some things going on here that I don't want to go on. But nonetheless, now, our scripture, our focal scriptures, nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And that's another version, another translation, okay? Now, a true disciple of Jesus Christ will follow him wherever he leads, but Jesus had to tell his disciples that they could not go where he was going. They could not follow him further yet for he was soon going back to the Father. Someday he would come back for them and they would go to be with him as he had promised them in John the 14th chapter and the third verse. And if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. But between the time he left them and came back for them to take them to the place he had prepared for them, they would face persecution and death themselves, even as he would soon suffer and die on the cross. He needed to forewarn them about what would soon happen to them and to him and to them, excuse me, so you know I'm going to have to go back, okay? He needed to forewarn them about what would soon happen to him and to them so they would not stumble or fall away from believing in and following him according to the truth he had taught them for three years. If his disciples faced an unknown future and began doubting when all things seemed wrong, they might turn from following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, in John chapter 16, Jesus began talking specifically about some of the trials and temptations they would soon face. Now just as the first followers of Jesus Christ were soon expelled from the synagogue where they testified about Jesus and worshiped with their fellow Jews, there have been times throughout history when religious quote end quote People in a church have persecuted the true followers of Jesus by excluding them from fellowship and even murdering them, or murdering some of them. Now, throughout history, some rulers of this world, including some political and religious leaders, have tortured and murdered Jesus' followers. The life of the Apostle Paul proves the fulfillment and truth of Jesus' prophecy, for Paul once persecuted many of the first Christians. Before the Apostle Paul changed his name from Saul, he approved the stoning of Stephen. In Acts 8, verse 1, we read, And Saul approved of their killing him. That day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. And when the apostle Paul gave his testimony before King Agrippa, he spoke of his former persecution of Christians. In Acts, the 26th chapter, the fourth through the sixth verses and the ninth through the eleventh verses, Paul confessed, All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, a life spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that I have belonged to the strictest sect of our religion and lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial on account of my hope in the promise 
made by God to our ancestors. Indeed, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things against the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did in Jerusalem with authority received from the chief priests. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison, but I also cast my vote against them when they were being condemned to death. By punishing them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And since I was so furiously enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. My goodness, and I'm going to read that again. again. By punishing them often, in all the synagogues I tried to force them to blaspheme, and since I was so furiously enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. In the name of their God, some have murdered Christians and others. Some in synagogues and churches have persecuted. Some in synagogues and churches have persecuted, have excluded, and have murdered those who have tried to follow Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. When these trials happen to Christians today, Jesus' followers should not be surprised but remember some of Jesus' promises about the Holy Spirit's help in the Gospel of John. Now, in the Gospels, Jesus foretold all who would follow him what they could expect in this world from following him and his moral and spiritual values and teachings. Many do not want to live according to the absolute objective moral and spiritual standards that God has revealed in the Bible. Therefore, in various ways, they persecute those who try to follow and obey Jesus. To strengthen their faith in him, rather than have them doubt and stumble with thoughts that he had given them false promises of security and prosperity in the world, Jesus forewarned his disciples. Because they know neither the Father nor the Son, the one who came to make the Father known, unbelievers persecuted Jesus and will persecute all his followers even today because they do not know God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said in John the 8th chapter and the 19th verse when the Pharisees asked Jesus, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. My goodness. So no, no follower of Jesus Christ who reads the Bible should be surprised when hardship and persecution come as a direct result of trying to live faithful to Jesus Christ, of trying to obey Him in all things, of trying to love and serve others as he loved and served others. Jesus warned his disciples and all who would believe in him that they would suffer if they followed him as he directed. When Jesus was with them in the flesh, he could easily 
keep his disciples from doubting or stumbling because he could physically stand between them and his persecutors and he could keep teaching them. He could easily answer the questions of both his persecutors and his disciples. The verbal and physical attacks of those who did not know the Father or the Son fell first upon him and then upon them. After Jesus rose from the dead and empowered his disciples to testify about him as Lord and Savior of the world, the attacks of unbelievers would naturally fall upon them as the physical and visible representations of Jesus Christ and his teaching. Those of this world do not want to hear the teachings of Jesus or the Apostle Paul who wrote in Romans the 8th chapter, the 5th through the 6th verses. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Therefore, they persecute and try to silence Jesus' followers. By doing so, they forfeit the joy, life, love, peace, and eternal life that the Holy Spirit gives daily to believers by the grace of God through their faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so true. The revelation of Jesus Christ and the Bible reveal and teach God's people more truths as they obey Jesus' teachings in the Bible over time. After Jesus revealed much about himself and his mission to his disciples, he revealed even more as his death and departure neared. The Holy Spirit that Jesus would soon send to his disciples would reveal more truths to them and through them the Holy Spirit would create the New Testament and the New Testament church. At that moment, his disciples were so shocked that they might not have thought to ask, where are you going? Or they were focused so much on their needs when they learned that they would lose Jesus' presence to think, to ask the question about where Jesus was going. Sorrow filled their hearts when they learned that Jesus was going to leave them, the one who loved them and the one they had come to love. After being his disciples and enjoying love, peace, and fellowship with him, they were sorrowful to learn that they would lose fellowship with him and also lose their fellowship with those in the synagogue. Even worse, they learned that some would hate them and want to murder them. And while persecuting them, their persecutors would think that they were serving God by doing so. People are so, so mixed up today. Even though 
the coming events would bring them much sorrow and even though their fearful anticipation of Jesus leaving them filled them with grief, Jesus assured them that the results would be for their own good, for their benefit, to their advantage. Jesus had to go away before he could send the advocate to them as their ever-present defense attorney, as their indwelling guide, helper, comforter, and counselor. Jesus had to die an atoning death for them so they could be forgiven for their sins, cleansed from their sins, and prepared to receive the spirit of holiness and truth into their lives. It would be to their advantage for the Holy Spirit to live within them at all times when they were scattered, persecuted, and murdered. When the world saw them as abandoned and helpless, they would never be powerless, alone, or separated from God. Isn't that wonderful? My goodness. In the flesh, Jesus could not be with all of them everywhere all the time. But the Holy Spirit, whom he would send them, could be with them all. And the Holy Spirit has been and will be with every follower of Jesus until he comes again. Notice what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it or an impersonal power, for Jesus promised, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is an advocate or defense attorney for the one who follows Jesus as his disciple. To the world or to the one who follows the ruler of this world and the world's way of life, the Holy Spirit is a prosecuting attorney mind. God, thank you, God. Most people do not like to hear that what they are doing is wrong, but the Holy Spirit, through the life, works, and words of those who follow Jesus, reveals to those of this world that they are doing wrong, which can lead to the persecution of Christians in some way. The world is wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit will work to convince an unbeliever that they are wrong about sin and death in order to lead them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will work on the conscience of an unbeliever, but the unbeliever may harden their conscience and in a hateful response persecute Christians and the church. On the other hand, learning the truth about Jesus Christ along with the work of the Holy Spirit can lead an unbeliever to repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ for salvation from sin to receive the gift of eternal life from him. Now those of this world do not believe in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. 
But Jesus is the Savior of the world, and he came to reveal the Father. Through the believer's moral and spiritual way of life, though not yet perfect, in their truthful words, by their joyful, loving, and peaceful way of life, the Holy Spirit proves the world is wrong about the best way to live and how people can live the best way by following Jesus. Despite overwhelming evidence and the work of the Holy Spirit to lead them to believing and repent, many of those who live according to the ways of the devil and who love the world will will persist in unbelief and rebellion against God. The world is wrong about the righteousness because living rightly according to the commands and teachings of Jesus is a righteous way to live. Since all have sinned, no one can be righteous apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross, apart from accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, and apart from the Holy Spirit living and working within those who follow Jesus. When God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, God proved that all Jesus said and did was true and right. The Holy Spirit will help believers teach these facts about Jesus Christ to the world. The world may think righteous living does not matter, but the world is wrong, and there is a coming judgment when Jesus Christ returns according to his timing. Oh, what a day, what a day, what a day. My God, help us to be ready in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners from their sins and from the just punishment that all sinners deserve, judgment that all his followers once deserved. The Holy Spirit used the truth of God's word and the life of Jesus' followers to lead sinners to saving faith in Jesus Christ. God has condemned the ruler of the world for his rebellion against God and for his many works of evil in the world, evil words and works that he still uses to lead those of this world to believe in evil thoughts, use evil words, and do evil. Sinners can choose to follow the ways of the condemned rule of the world or with the help of the Holy Spirit. Sinners can turn from the devil, turn from a sinful way of life, and choose to follow Jesus Christ and his teachings in the Bible. The Holy Spirit shows the world the way of salvation. He works in the world through the truth that he has revealed in the Bible's teachings and through the life of Jesus. He abides with and works within the hearts and minds of those who try to imitate Jesus morally and spiritually so they can teach people about Jesus. 
When the followers of Jesus are persecuted or tempted to walk once again in the ways of the world, the Holy Spirit empowers them and helps them remember that through the ruler of this world still rules. Excuse me, please, please, please. When the followers of Jesus are persecuted, and tempted to walk once again in the ways of the world, the Holy Spirit empowers them and helps them remember that though the ruler of this world still rules some under the sovereignty of God, this ruler has been judged and condemned by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who sits on the right hand of God. The Father in heaven. He has already been condemned. He's already condemned to hell. That's Satan. That's the devil. He's already condemned to hell. They call him the ruler of this world. So he's trying to get any and all of us to follow him and to desert our faith in God through Jesus Christ. Don't let him fool you. Don't let him deceive you. Time is not as long as it has been. Okay? It's not as long as it has been. So that means judgment day is closer. It's closer. Hang in there. And this lesson is how our advocate works. And we have some questions here, and I always like to give these for you to think about and to, to answer. Number one, what can keep us from stumbling? Number two, what might you say to someone who said that they became a Christian because they wanted security and all of their daily needs and requests to be met by Jesus? Number three, why do some people ridicule and persecute Christians? Number four, why was it an advantage or benefit for Jesus to go away? Number five, what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do in the world? What did he say the Holy Spirit would do in the world? And now to summarize the lesson. The Holy Spirit bestows many gifts on believers and of major importance, the Holy Spirit serves as their advocate. He works as an indwelling defense attorney. When those of this world attack Christians, their defense attorney can give them the words to speak. That means that when he attacks us, then the Holy Spirit gives us the words to speak to the attacker. Now when spiritually attacked, their defense attorney can remind them of Jesus' words so they do not lose confidence in their Savior and Lord. Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit could only come after he went away. Jesus went away when he died on the cross and later ascended into heaven which he and the Father planned because they wanted to forgive repentant sinners and uphold the just laws and kingdom of God at the same time. Together they planned for Jesus to shed his blood 
so repentant sinners could be cleansed from all unrighteousness and become spiritually prepared to receive the indwelling Holy Spirit who would guide them to live for God in, in a hostile world. In addition, the Holy Spirit works as a prosecuting attorney in the lives of believers and in the church. Oh my goodness. Through the church, he proves the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. He convinces some that sin has consequences. Living right is important to God. God has condemned the ruler of this world, and God will execute judgment. Now that he will do. In the world, the Holy Spirit works through believers to help those he has proved wrong to repent and by grace receive the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful lesson. How our advocate works. And it is the L.G. Parkhurst Jr. Uh, commentary of the Sunday School lesson. You can find it if you just type in L.G. Parkhurst uh, Jr. or L.G. Parkhurst or you can type in www.ousu.com. Enjoy your morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Remember, I love you. You can reach me at 469-629-9543. You can text me through this site here so you can get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me. And by the grace of God, I definitely, definitely will get in touch with you. You can get me through Anchor, okay? You can get me through Facebook. You can get me through uh, YouTube. You can get me through Instagram. You can get me through... Uh, there's a Twitch, too. I think you can do a message on that. And there's one more. Oh, Twitter. Twitter. All right. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know, please, okay? Okay.